Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Barman and Bevo podcast, episode 33A, or 33 part one. Uh, I haven't decided what we're going to call these yet, but uh, this one will be available today on on all three of the platforms that we record on. Um, This is a very special episode, something Mike and I have wanted to do basically since we we started this podcast. Uh, My father is a bit of a character and has all these crazy stories from growing up in outside of Buffalo, New York, and traveling the world, and just getting into trouble, um, doing some wacky stuff. We got the opportunity to record with him yesterday. We were hoping to do it in front with uh, some of my friends, but timing just didn't work out with people. Um, we did have my uh, my sister Maggie, or Bunny as we call her, um, her husband Andrew, my brother-in-law, Mike Barman, and my dad late on Saturday record this first, well, we recorded both parts, but this is the first hour or hour and 10 minutes of that interview. Um, it's highly entertaining. Um, please listen, enjoy. Um, Mike and I will be back again here again this week with like a normal episode. So this is not your normal Barman Bevo podcast episode. It's more of uh, stories of my past and my dad's past. So I hope you like it. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks for listening. Step on the opening. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Uh, welcome to episode 33 of the Barman and Bevo podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a very, very special edition. I've got, um, of course, Michael Barman's here as usual. We, we did some rearranging. We didn't kind of, we wanted to do this a little differently, but it just didn't work out timing wise. Mike's here as usual. Um, and then a very, very special guest tonight. My father, Joe Vandura, uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. F- I know it's late. And we've had a long day of drinking, but I, I listen. Know I, if I don't perform pretty sick, quick, it's it's my my you know my wife's birthday in about an hour, and I don't know how many. We'll be minutes done it. before that. I yeah. promise. Oh, okay. I wouldn't promise. I wouldn't promise anything like that. Well, this could go crazy. <laughs> this could go off the rails at any minute. Um, also joining us is my sister Bunny. Who we've talked about several times, and her husband Andrew. Um, they made the trip in from Nashville for St. Patty's Day and to see the baby. Yay! But um, I thought it was appropriate that at least Maggie's here because uh, she knows some of these stories, and Andrew's here. He's heard some of these stories, but maybe not all of them. And I think it's appropriate that like this. This is a, an important episode for us just because these stories well, are fun for everyone. Well, this is a way to actually do the Vendura. Is this urban legend somewhat made up, partially made up? Now we have the true source here. There's nothing made up. This is all true. Well, shit. I don't know. I don't know what Mike. Might, I don't know what Mike might ad lib. I just remember going to that Buffalo Bills Carolina game with you folks and had such such a blast. We had Zuba's count. 
We had we had stories about Bills games, about about who can't coach the Bills, who can't quarterback the Bills, who can't kick for the Bills. And they still got that problem. <laughs> Nothing's changed. No, nothing is. It is getting better, but it's nothing's changed. Okay, so this is episode 33. It's very different from our normal episode. We're going to just talk <laughs> about some of these <laughs> stories that my or mother has. Or just get has. talked at. <laughs> we're, we're, ba- we're basically just going to hear one of us lob a subject at Joe, and he's going to tell the story. Um, we might as well start from the beginning. Well, I mean, well, let's start with what are Joe's favorite teams? Because he's lived in so many okay. towns. And, he, right, so and, he's, and some of these stories. Yeah, I, were I, I know the answers, but our listeners don't. First Where? of all, I'd, I'd like to say thank you for having me and Maggie, and for letting Joe speak the rest of the night. <laughs> Dad, where were you born? I was born in a small town of 3,200 people southwest of Buffalo, on, on uh, right off of the Thruway in Silver Creek, New York. Which and is right off of Lake Erie. Right, right on Lake Erie. Lake, okay. Right on Lake Erie. Great growing region. Very odd. Pl- in the middle of the snow belt. Oh, in the snow belt. So any given night, you could see six feet of snow drop. Without question. Okay. I mean, without, you know. Gro- growing up in Buffalo, as an Italian-American, your 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 parents were right off the boat or grand- great-grandparents no, grand- were right off the boat? my grandparents were off the boat and my my parents were born here, so I'm, I'm like second generation here. So, New York Italian guy, let me guess, you're a Mets fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> no Tom Seaver? No, 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 no. I almost had my no, hands out on that one. No, I, li- I like Tom Seaver, don't get me wrong, I had a lot of respect for him, but no, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I've been a diehard Yankee fan since I was three years old. I mean, I knew this Yankee starting lineup when I was three years old. Um, what was and, it? 1953, oh, what was the Yankee starting lineup? Well, I can tell you every position. I can't tell you the, the, the lineup, but I mean, you had, you had. Uh, well, let me let me go to fifty six because I'm not sure I got fifty three right. But fifty six, <laughs> I can tell you exactly who it is. Okay. Okay. You had you had uh, Elson Howard. You had Yogi Berra behind the plate. You had Muscauer on first base. You had Bobby Richardson on second base. Tony Kubek on on shortstop. You had Cleek Boyer uh, playing, you know, third base, and then you had. Uh, Mantle in center field, and then there was a combination of people in, in left and right field, depending on what day it was. But you know, the Whitey Ford was the starting pitcher, and then you know you had several Bobby Shantz and a couple other people. So I mean, the manager, the manager was at the time was Casey Stingle. And which one of those Yankees did you meet? Oh, I met Muscala in, uh, in, in Yankee Stadium. And, I forgot about that story. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Which was interesting because <laughs> Maggie, well, well, let's jump into that one. Maggie, 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 uh, when she was graduating from high school, I said, "Well, what would you like for graduation?" And she said, "Well, I want you and mom to take me on on a cruise or a vacation." And then, I never I, said a cruise. You, know, you said you a vacation. Said, vacation. You vacation. said cruise. <laughs> you said vacation, and I picked a cruise. But then, then she said, "But you have to take me to Yankee Stadium." And I said, "You're kidding me! I'd love to take you to Yankee Stadium." So. When I got the tickets, I got old Yankee to, Stadium. Right, old Yankee Stadium, correct. And I got tickets to the Stadium Club before the game. And we were walking to the Stadium Club with the Crosbys, which is another story. And it was your first trip to Yankee Stadium. That's my yeah, to the old stadium. Yeah. Correct. So you listen on the radio? Oh, all the time. I used to fall asleep to the Yankees every you know, every night on my transistor radio that was about so big and. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Because you have to use your imagination. 
to, and then when you watch it on TV, it's not as good as what you imagine well, the game actually. Well, you only have one game a week, though. you got to remember, it's not <laughs> oh, like really? today. I mean, yeah, you had Saturday baseball for one game, and that was it. <laughs> you also have to remember, he lived in, like, a one-light town. Right. One light, middle of town. Been able to get Buffalo radio. No TV, but Buffalo radio might not cover the Yankees. You're actually closer to Cleveland or Pittsburgh yeah. or Detroit. Uh, or Detroit, or Detroit right by, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you might be able to get the radio wave over you the lake and catch the... As a matter of fact, there was a station that you could get from Detroit at night. So, I mean, <laughs> an AM radio, no FM radio at the time, if you think about it. And then my first, my first football team was the Browns because that was all we got broadcast because we got the Browns on Sunday. But going back That's to the Yankees... Well, that was before the Bills, though. Oh, way before the Bills. Yeah, yeah. When so, the Bills, like 65 60, or 60. 60. The AFL was formed in 1960. Oh, that's right. 1960, and if you could name all the original teams to the, to the AFL, I'll kiss your butt. Well, I, I, I did. I did. How many, the US, how many of the U.S. He couldn't believe it. I got like eight out of the eight or seven out of the USFL. But I, I can't do well. The AFL would be pretty. But easy going, going back to Yankee Stadium, going back to Yankee Stadium, we're going into the into the uh, the uh, club, and when we're walking in, it was cr- so crowded to the left that you couldn't move. So we went to the right, and as we're walking in, I see this guy sitting there, and I'm looking at this guy, and it's like a Rolodex going through my head. I know this guy, I know this guy, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and he says, "Hey, how you doing?" I says, "Hi, how you doing?" He says, "I'm Muscaur," and I says, "You gotta be shitting me." <laughs> and he says, he says, why? I said, well, you were number 14, you batted 285, and I'm rolling off all these statistics and this and that. And I said, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm working for the White Sox, because they were playing the White Sox that day. And the White Sox had won the World Series the year before, so right. he had a White Sox ring and then his right. Yankees ring. Exactly. Race. And I said, so what are you doing here? He says, well, I'm working for the White Sox. And I said, how could you be working for the White Sox? He says, it's simple. He says, they gave me a job to drink beer with guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked to him for the next 45 minutes, and it was the most interesting conversation. You know, and he says, all I am is a dumb Polak from Chicago. And I says, no, no. And we say, you know, and he, he says, well, they traded me and this and that and everything. But, you know, it was, it was really, you know how you re- remember something as a kid, and you see this guy, and then he's there for real. And all of a sudden, you say, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was uh, him and Hank Bauer were the two guys that always protected Billy Martin and, and Yogi and uh, Mickey Mantle and, and Whitey Ford from when they got in trouble all the time, you know? I'd have to think that Billy Martin was probably one of the most shit-talking baseball players well, at an all-time. You know, and, and, and Billy got, you know, <laughs> as it really was in the New York press. Now, back then, not as much many of the stories got out of New York City as they would have today. Oh, you sure. Know, it didn't happen. Oh, my was God. Was Jerry Coleman on that team that you were naming off earlier? Yep. He was he was there. Yeah. We got Our reality is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Coleman was on that team. Joe, uh, Moose, what was the connotation there behind the nickname? Why? You know, it, it was funny because you picture a guy, I'm, I'm six foot, okay, tall, but you picture a guy that was going to be six five and everything like that, and the guy might have been five nine. Okay, and, and, and how he got the nickname Moose, I have no idea, but I'm thinking to myself, man, this is Moose Cowan, you got to be kidding, I'm bigger than you. you know? And he, But obviously, he was a tough guy, but there was, uh, that was just one of the things that, you know, you talk about in your mind. That a guy is this big, and he really wasn't that big, but you know, the guy could hit, and he was, he was you know, 285 career bat- batting average. Yeah, that's pretty high. For really a guy that's not 
I'm not in the Hall of Fame. I'm well, guessing. Yeah, but you think about the teams that he was on. Yeah. He probably batted like seventh in the lineup. No, he, was, he was like sixth. A, a sixth, sixth batter. You know, I mean, how, how often do you see a guy batting 285 bat sixth these days? Well, yeah, but if you, you think about that team. Yeah, they're only murderers row, right? Well, Cleet Boyer was the only weak hitter. Okay, I mean, really, if you looked around the infield, he was really the only weak hitter. And he played shortstop? Third, third base. Third base. Third base. And, you know, he had a brother, Ken Boyer, that played for uh, the Cardinals. Ken Phelps? No, not Ken Phelps. <laughs> Who's traded for Jay Bruner, by the way. <laughs> Rocket arm, how could you arm do like that? Arm like a lightning bolt. <laughs> I couldn't believe you did that. Anyway. Oh, you know, man. But, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, he was on Seinfeld. But anyway. anyway. <laughs> so, uh, we got, so we got Yankees, we got Bills. Yeah, we got Yankees. We got well, the, 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 the original, the original, the original football team was the Browns, though. Okay. And then when the AFL started, uh, I started rooting for the Bills and the Browns. And then when they merged, I just became a Bills fan. I mean, the Browns kind of settled out the wrong way. I mean, after Paul Brown left Cleveland and went to Cincinnati, is when the Browns started going downhill. Of course, which when, time? Well, <laughs> well you know. The, the Browns had one of the best teams ever with Jim Brown, and they had Frank Ryan, and they had Paul Warfield before he got traded to Miami. And they could have had Ernie Banks. No, no. Ernie, or Ernie, Ernie Davis, Davis. Sorry. Who never, played, <laughs> who never played it down in pro football, um, which was another story because— Did he go to baseball? No. no the he... Redskins had the first pick, and back then uh, there was a problem with blacks going playing football in the NFL and Paul Brown was more uh, liberal to the point about what he needed to do and he, he was all about the game instead of worrying about who he was and what he was the Redskins were the opposite and the Redskins and were the other side of the, the other side. imagine that they were, team with they were the ones the name I think that. the Redskins were the ones that when they asked them to play in New Orleans they they wouldn't they just didn't go they just didn't go to play you know you talk about crazy stuff and I mean if you look at it today it's a complete you know and, and it should be you know I mean there's not an issue about that but you know they traded they traded Bobby Mitchell who was the other halfback that was traded to the Redskins that ended up being a flanker and then they moved him to wideout and Ernie and Ernie Davis comes over never played it down and he had leukemia when he got drafted and all that's you know the story of that but. All right, so you had you had you had the, you had the Yankees, you had the Browns, you had you know, and then the Bills came and the AFL changed everything, you know, the, with the merger and you know later on in '65 or so, and and um, I mean, hockey would the Sabers when, when when did they come? Was that '60? That was a lot. Or '70? That was a lot later. I, I couldn't even tell you the year for sure. I know they were after the Penguins. <laughs> the Penguins were 67. I'm pretty sure the Sabres were somewhere between really? 70 and 75. No, wow. I think the Sabres were before the Penguins. Okay. And then... So you would have listened, like, been Maple Leafs or... Well, you know... Or, I, hockey probably Rangers. wasn't a big thing in Buffalo. Well, there, other were only, than the there were only six teams in the, NH, in the NHL. Up until, like, the mid-60s. I mean, oh, really? Yeah, yeah you, you only had six. Detroit, you had Detroit York, Boston... New York, Detroit, Boston, Toronto, Toronto, Montreal, and... Chicago. 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 That's the original six. And, you know, hockey didn't take off until, I, w- I would say, like, the mid-70s. Like, slap, probably after Slapshot. Well, it, it took off. But yeah. but it took a while to take well, off, and it took a while to get the teams going. And all according that. to the, NFL ch- or the uh, NHL channel, the top five goalies all played in the 70s for some reason. 
Well, Does I don't know. Bur- had- Burdur is seven. Brodeur was seventh on that list. What he holds every goaltending record on the, on the list, and he was seventh. And then you got guys like Hasek were ahead of him. Hasek was a great goalie. I don't know if he's better than Brodeur, but yeah. But you had you had guys like Glenn Hall who played for the Leafs that were yeah really. I think those, Ken those, Dryden those was guys, ahead of him. Those guys Ken Dryden was, was the guy from the Canadian. When, when Montreal had to run, Dryden was in there, and I'll tell you. And these guys weren't wearing masks at the time, and you wanted you didn't want to look at their face after the next morning. I'll tell you that. Dryden was like in like, the eighties. Olympics? No. It was like like a the pepperoni pizza. No. <laughs> That's got to be awful. Yeah. Playing, playing goalie without a face mask. Oh, they were crazy. Um, your other passion. Motivational speaking? No, no, no. <laughs> Sports team. Your, your alma mater, your college. Yeah, the University, University of Dayton. Dayton. The yeah. Dayton Flyers. Woo. Without question. Maggie is also alumnus of there. Yeah. You could have been. I could have been, but I failed. Miserably. <laughs> did you get kicked out? I did. Well, we were just not to come back. Played soccer? And guess no, what, kids? He's hosting neither. his own podcast today. <laughs> but we decided that we weren't going to talk about that tonight. That's <laughs> I'm okay with that. Exactly. You told me this morning the best decision you ever made was going to the university. That's of exactly right. And I met my wife there. None and of us would be here at this table yeah. right now. That's right. You, you never went to Dayton and set couches on might, fire. You would not be here. <laughs> You would not be here because you would never have met me because I wouldn't exist. Well, they might might have been here. You you and you might have been here. Who knows? You guys might have been here, but you two, I don't know. Anyway. So, so in the last year, um, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, we've seen a lot of each other due to some some deaths in the family. Yeah. um, I got to meet and see some of your high school buddies again. Yeah, you did. Which was... It's the whole podcast. <laughs> it's always, <laughs> always enter- entertaining to hear stories about J- Joe in high school. Oh, they, they were is, never good. Is Joe's reunion stories as good as you slipping down the steps the day before you start a new job and no. breaking your head open? That's oh. just silliness. It's <laughs> <laughs> a highly more uh, sophisticated than that. That was just me being a dumbass and being drunk. Um, my favorite high school story that you tell, because you li- lived on Lake Erie, was the the sodium bar story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I'll give everybody a little bit of background. My father has a degree in electrical engineering, so he's got a scientific mind. He knows how science works. He knows well, it was, good. it was either going to be electrical or chemical. Physi- one or the other. Physics, chemistry, biology. He probably knows everything about all that stuff. In high school... Living by Lake Erie, when he discovered that certain elements react violently with water, <laughs> he decided to test that theory. Well, let me, let me tell you how this happened. I mean, I, I found out me being a ball buster as much as I was, and I usually didn't get caught, but I got caught on this one. I found out that the physics teacher, the chemistry teacher, and the general science, the biology teacher, one of them, were, they were planning, they were hiding each other's briefcase on each other. So I found out about this when we were in chemistry lab. So I decided that I was going to plant all three in a different place. So I put one in a suspended ceiling, I buried one in the physics lab, and then I put one in the... In the Wait, how, hold on. How did you bury one in the physics lab? <laughs> there was dirt in there. <laughs> oh, there's like a container full of dirt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, maybe you're picking up the floor. No, 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 no. <laughs> I put it in a plastic bag and I buried it in, in, in the dirt and then I hid the other one in the back of the lab and Susan Gregory, I'll never forget, she told on me and so I got, I got caught 
So when we went to chemistry lab, my good friend Mike DeJohn and I, who played, I played sports with him. I played football, basketball, and baseball with him. And the two of us are in chemistry lab. And uh, the uh, teacher says, well, can you put some lab coats on and put the shields on and this and that, you know? So he's got this great big beaker of water with phenolphthalein solution in it. And he drops this chunk about, I don't know, about, oh, about the size of a half a dollar around, okay? He drops this in there and he says, now you put the plastic lid over the top of it and this thing starts smoking like a fizzy, okay? And it's going off and everything. And he, while, while we're watching this thing, it's, you know, two feet away, he's waving everybody back in the room, you know? And this thing blows up. And he says, as soon as it blows up, he looks at me and he says, that's what you get for, for burying all the, the uh, briefcases, hiding all the briefcases. And I says, okay, fine. I said, so I'm going to get, before I tell the whole story about the other part, when my, my last day in senior, in my senior class, which we were screwing around in, in, in lab or in study hall, the same guy, I buried one of his briefcases. I says, hey, we got to get Mr. Crow, who was the guy that was the chemistry teacher that got me with the sodium. So I, I found this generator in the back of the lab, and I wired it to the floor, you know, the metal plate on the floor, oh and then to the doorknob, and then I, and I, had, I had a drummer, I had a drummer who had really good hands, so I said, hey, what? why don't you call up, why don't you call up Mr. Crow and tell him to come down, and, and when he's coming down, I says, okay, start cranking, so, you know, you had the, you had the glass oh window in the door. And he comes down and he grabbed the doorknob and as soon as his, pl his foot hit the plate, he knocked him right on his ass. And I says, and that's what you get for the sodium. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I got even. I'm lucky okay. I didn't get kicked out of school then. No then because of the before finals. Now, getting to the sodium story. So He was valedictorian, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> were you? No. <laughs> I, you, were I, top of the, you were like top ten, right? I was, well, wait a minute. That's another story. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. That's another story. Because, <laughs> you go on all night. Well, I was, se I, was seventh, I was seventh in my class after sophomore year. Okay? Okay, and... and not that I didn't know anything about chemistry, but the following year I got 100 on my chemistry regents, which is how I got involved in all that. So, which is an oddball thing. I was the only one, I was like 10 in the state, okay? And um, I, Vietnam was hot and heavy back then. And my uncle was a career military guy in the Army, and he, was, he retired as a full colonel. Could have got a general, but he was screwing around with one of the general's wives, and he didn't marry him, and then he got in trouble, and he got blackballed. But anyway, that's another story, too. Oh, so, which I could go on forever. So <laughs> You need to write this down. <laughs> I know, I know, Uncle Tony, I'm not saying a word about this. <laughs> he lives in this town. As a matter of fact, I could probably start writing a book, which is why I've, I've decided that when I retire, I may write a book about some of this stuff. But anyway. Or you could just make podcast episodes about it. No, I don't know if I want to do that. I can get you on. We could do it every week. Well, we probably easy. could. I could go forever. So All we need is some crown. You're good. All right. Wait a minute. So. <laughs> some. So I'm working in a steel mill in between college, okay, during the summers and everything. And I'm meeting two of my buddies, that are high school buddies, that I, I, you know, we found this sodium. Is there anything we can do with sodium? I says, oh, yeah. I says, you can do a lot with sodium. I says, what kind? Like, what do you mean sodium? Sodium, sodium is used sodium. as a flux in the form. metal industry. It's used as a flux to clean the metal. Okay. It's it's an alkali material. Gotcha. So okay. they throw it in the metal, and what it does is cleanse it, and it gets in the impurities out. And Okay. 
Just never mind. You don't know. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm just for the listeners. So I said, well, yeah, you could do a lot with it. If you <laughs> throw in water, it's like the, it's the 4th of July, and these guys think I'm kidding. And I said, well, you guys steal the stuff, and I'll show you, you know. <laughs> so they get they get this package. There's like, like eight bars in it, and this thing is like, each bar is like 10 pounds a piece. Oh, you know? That's... That's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. So, so we planned this thing. We meet in, in the town of Silver Creek. There's this little park with a fountain there. We'll meet there. We'll drive our car down down by the, the train trestle. And then we'll walk down the train trestle. There used to be this hidden pond that had carp that's about three feet long and everything like that. And I said, we'll go to there and we'll throw it in there. And these guys are saying, oh, I don't believe Nothing's going to happen. I don't believe you about this. I said, I'm telling you guys, you can't see. I saw these guys when you told the story and they're like, he was, we thought he was completely full of shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and I'm telling him, I says, look, now we're going to get the lightest guy. We're going to tie it. This thing had a cliff. <laughs> I forgot about this part. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a cliff. Okay, going down, but there's a ledge in the, like eight feet down. So we tied a rope to the guy's waist, and I said, George. And, and it was, we had it in cardboard, and I poked holes in the cardboard with a screwdriver. And I said, but listen, don't let your hands get on this thing, because if there's moisture on your hands, you're going to burn your hands. They think I'm full of shit. And I, I'm telling you, don't do it. And I says, as soon as you throw it, now it had to be a good 50 feet down. I said, as soon as you throw it, let us know. And I said, get his ass back up here. And these guys are still thinking that this isn't going to do anything, right? <laughs> so he throws, he throws, he throws his pack. Actually, we had about eight bars in there. We throw the package down. And I hear it hit before he hits the top of the dirt. And we get him up there. And I said, come on, let's go. And they're standing there and they're watching this thing. And it starts smoking. I mean, this thing is going around in the water, and you can see it, and, and the white cloud is coming up. All of a sudden, boom, ba -ba boom, ba -ba, and it's lighting up the sky. Well, now everybody starts running down the railroad tracks and everything. And one, of the guys, one of the guys says, who the hell is that guy, Mr. Wizard? What, what happened to George? We got George up. <laughs> but here we are running down the railroad tracks. This thing went on for about you know a minute and a half. And it's going off, and now they call the Coast Guard in because they think somebody's blowing up this thing. And they call the Coast Guard in, and we get we run down the tracks it's about a mile and a half. We get in our cars, we go back to the park, and the next thing you know, the cops come. Hey, do you know what's going on down by Foyts? I say I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, didn't you hear all that that sign? I said, well, heard what? You know, well, where were you? Well, we were down at Sunset Bay. You know, and that was the end. Of it. But. These guys, so then the next day they says, we got some more, let's go do it. <laughs> said, no, 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 no. I says, wait a couple of weeks before they wait, do this again. Did, whatever happened to the fish in the pond, did they die? Who cares? <laughs> it's like shooting sure. fish in a barrel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the day before I go back to school, we did it again, and then I left, and I don't know what happened. But. <laughs> From Silver Creek. You decide not to go into the army. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I at that time at you that tanked time, it. No, I, I had a student deferment, so I, I was out until my soft middle of my soft to go to Dayton, which was yeah, was the first lottery, which again is another story. I drew one twenty nine and my draft board went to one twenty four, so I got out for a while, but. No, I didn't have to go. We well, no, but Uncle, Uncle Tony wanted you to join the. Well, no, what, what, to, what he West wanted Point. me. To, he wanted me to go to West Point. Right. And the other story was, at the end of my sophomore year, I was seventh in my class. And I mysteriously went from seventh to 32nd, just like that. <laughs> After you electrocuted your chemistry teacher? No, 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 that was <laughs> but, but 
I, I knew, it, well, first of all, you had to be in your top 10 of your class to get in. And I knew that, first of all, I didn't have any desire to go to West Point, nor did I want anything to do with Vietnam. So I decided to change my status by just, instead of being straight A's, I went to A's and B pluses. And that was good enough for me. <laughs> so you got, you got a Dayton. Right. And uh, you joined a fraternity. I joined a fraternity. <laughs> Tell us about the fraternity. Um, <laughs> Delta, Tom. Tau, no. no. The Delta House. The Delta House. The original Delta House. Oh. Pre-Animal House Delta House. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was uh, I graduated in 72, and I think Animal House came in out in 74, 75. And the interesting thing about that one was at 2 o'clock in the morning, somebody calls me up and says, I told you we should have wrote this stuff down. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? He says, I told you we should have wrote this stuff down. I said, what are you talking about? I went and saw Animal House, and they stole their material. <laughs> <laughs> they took the bar. The whole... <laughs> I had, hey, well, well one of, you know how Bellucci said seven years of college down the drain for nothing? I knew a guy like that. <laughs> so is that And I think Rob he came to my... He did. He came to my graduation. Doug Kenny... <laughs> And that's where Rob Reiner learned. Yeah, right? it was because he was actually it was, in the, uh, he was in the movie, right? It was Doug. No, it was Doug Kenny in uh, uh, who's the guy that passed away from Ghostbusters? Um, oh, uh, he no, um, he wrote it. Yeah, Doug Kenny wrote it. Doug um, Kenny and, and um, Harold Ramis. Harold, Harold Ramis, Ramis wrote it. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And then they got Belushi and they got <laughs> Totter and all everybody else, and all the guys. Um, they stole our material. They stole our material, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, still to this day, when we go back for reunions, they're still talking about It's that funny stuff. when you watch Did that you movie. Did you have a toga party? Oh, I, there were several toga parties. <laughs> There's also couch-burning parties. <laughs> please tell that, Please actually share about this, because I think it's important. How many couches were burned? Well, Dayton, Dayton had a pretty good basketball team back then. And they Don did Donner. for a while. Yeah, Don Donner was a coach. And, and... Uh, there was there was a couple of rivalries that that started, and one of them was against Notre Dame. So the arena was built in 19, uh, 1969, 1970. And last game on the schedule that year was, and it was funny because that's when I met your mom, and she got mono, so she went home for about three weeks. But I borrowed her ID so I could bring a date. Such a romantic podcast is shutting down. Such a, <laughs> he's implicated himself. Do you mind if we dance with your dates? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I know you got mine. Take seven rocket rides. Here's, here's the way I looked at it. She had totally. two other boyfriends. I might as well, you know, join the crew. So I mean, it was until it was official. But anyway. Um, so right. <laughs> we, we had to play, we played Notre Dame the last game of the year and we had to beat Notre Dame to get into the, the NCAAs and Notre Dame had three uh, All-Americans and they beat UCLA that year and they had Austin Carson, Catlett and College Jones all three of them were All-Americans and they were outstanding players and they were like one or two all year in the rating and Dayton was floundering about 20 or, you know, around there. And they come in there and Digger Phelps with his carnation and all that. 
And, you know, and we blew him out by 18 points. And I'll never forget this. Donaher, or Phelps said to Donaher, Mick, you can take your Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse program and I'll never come back here again. And all Donaher did was point at the scoreboard. And then they were hitting him with toilet paper before he left. All the fans were throwing toilet paper. And I believe there's actually a photo of that in the old arena. Yeah. And, well, this... At Dayton. Wow. No. At the field house. No, no, it wasn't the field house. It was in the arena. No, 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 but there's a picture in the field house where the the athletes trained. So, what had happened, what had happened was, we used to have a few... few, um, um, couch parties or burnt bonfires, uh, and we decided that after we beat Notre Dame, we came back and we were throwing a couple of couches out in the street and starting Molotov cocktails. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and after that game, after that game, the cops showed up at our house and said, "Well, we want you to throw a couple more parties." And I said, "Well, why is that?" And they said, "Well, we want to catch all the the illegals and doing this and that." And I won't get into what the illegals were, but. Um, we said, okay, fine, but we told everybody when we sent the flyers out to be careful because the cops are going to be there. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we had we had this we had this huge bonfire, and the cops ended up coming. And um, you know, when we had the bonfires, we would throw one thing out of our house, and then when everybody came out on the front, we would sneak around the back of our house and sneak in the back of their house, steal <laughs> their tables and couches. <laughs> and couches. <laughs> And, 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 and mattresses and then throw them out there and then you know the next day say hey where'd you guys get all that furniture well maybe you ought to look you know, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't just our stuff you know, so. and the funny thing is is I think you're the reason why Dayton wasn't allowed to have St. Patrick's Day for a really long it went time on for, it, it, would, it, would, it would stop it would stop it and then they'd let it happen, and it all it start it all back up there. Again. Dumpster fires, the couch dumpster fires, dumpster fires, and everything. Every ten years or so, they forget what happened, and then the kids, but the kids remember. <laughs> they they just repeat it because it'll show up on CNN. I'm well, you know, before my freshman year, you know, Playboy used to have a uh, top twenty poll on the biggest party schools in the U.S. And before my freshman year or my you know my senior year in high school, they were number one in the party school scene. And the university didn't like it. You know, they were they were trying to get the academic thing and not the party thing seen, but it went on for a while. But anyway. But it's the only campus that's like that, where there's housing, houses on campus. All four years. And you know the interesting thing is now they no, know it's all houses. There's a couple hundred houses. So basically like what they did basically what they did no, is there, they created, there is a neighborhood called the ghetto. The, the ghetto. ghetto. <laughs> and then there's one there's one called the dark side, which it's is like just off, campus. off campus. But they basically So they, you can't afford to live in the ghetto? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Basically no. the university bought the houses oh, and you pay rent to okay, the university. So your junior and senior year you get into a lottery and you pick you basically like pick your roommates and then they give you a house to live in. But see wow. back then back then when we were freshmen we picked a house and we had a connection to it, get it wasn't all owned by the university. No, in fact yeah. no. Yeah. Now, it, now is. it is. So it's a private it was a private guy that owned the house who ended up being a who was a bookie that we which is another story. <laughs> and, and I ended up you being a runner for him. For him. You for him. <laughs> I ended up being a runner for him. And there's a place called the Old Hickory that was with the drop point. And that's a great restaurant. Yeah, great, great ribs. Great ribs. 
And um, so uh, he, he comes over and he says, listen, i got to go to Kent State. My son's graduating. This was in December. He said, can you make the run for me? And I had to go to a barber shop and a couple of other places. And then he brings me. I make the run with him, with him the first time. And uh, I says, okay, great. You know, and he says, now you go ask for Lou when you get in there and ask for Lou and he'll bring you in the back room. Well, this room was, I couldn't have been any more than a six by eight room, okay? And I had sheets all over the walls. And I was like shocked. I'm thinking, holy shit, there's a lot of money being passed around. <laughs> I mean, it ain't only ribs that they're selling here. There's more than that. So, so I... So I go by myself the next week, you know, and I got my army coat on, you know, and my jacket and everything, and I go make the, the picks up, and I got this 12 by 8 or 9 envelope, manila envelope, and I got all the slips in it, and I got all the money in there, and I walk into the bar. Hey, is Lou here? He says, yeah, come on in. We go in the back room, and I make the drop, you know, and he, he gives me my cut, and I leave. And about a half hour later, they get busted. And I'm thinking, holy shit, they saw me walk in, they saw me walk out. And I didn't get anything to eat. You know, I was there about 10 minutes. You know, and the next thing I said, I'm hiding under the couch, you know, for about a week trying to and hope that the feds don't come after me, you know. So, um, That's because you are part of the feds. <laughs> your, when I, when the year I was there, your house was gone. Yeah, they not get done and change the number. <laughs> well, no, I remember you telling me we drove by it and you said, My house was there, now there's a tree there. Yeah, well, they, they rebuilt <laughs> it. They put another house in there, but they changed the number. So, the year I was there, I went, there was a fraternity I was almost asked to join, and I went there quite a few times. The craziest, it was one of those old houses there. They had the laundry chute. Yeah. I was there for a party one night. Somebody gets stuck in it? Somebody was stuck in the laundry chute. That doesn't serve. That doesn't <laughs> the, little, so, the little guy? Is it always the little guy that gets thrown down the laundry chute? I don't, I don't, I vaguely, all I remember is that part of the wall was missing. There was a guy, the guy in, no, there, no, he was still in the laundry chute. <laughs> he was stuck in there. And they were just, here's a beer. <laughs> He's just sitting there drinking out of the laundry chute. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> And uh, I'll never forget when you came from my graduation, you're like, this is the first time going to Tim's that I was I'm, legal. I'm legal. <laughs> <laughs> Over the yeah, fence. There was Over the fence. There was a lot of that. I mean, you know, if I, if I think about all the things that we did, and I'm surprised I haven't been thrown in jail yet, but and I got away with it. And um, I mean, you know, some of the things that we used to do, I used to have to drive through County out Ohio, and at the time they had, they had um, this big uh, fireworks place that would make fireworks. So I would always stop and get a gross of M80s. And whoever was terrorizing... Why do you need M80s them? when you have sodium bars? Well, that was... <laughs> yeah, but you, you gotta pull the kid back up. <laughs> there, aren't any, George. there aren't any, pond, there aren't any ponds in, in Dayton. Not only that, it's, it's tough. It's the Miami River. <laughs> it's tough to get sodium. But anyway... Um, so anybody that was terrorizing us in the neighborhood, what we used to do is we'd go and get a cigarette. We'd put a cigarette fuse on this thing, and then we'd put a garbage can over the top of it and put one on the front door and the back door, and then we'd call them up. And we'd be on the phone with them, and these things would go up, and these, these dummies would run out the wrong door. <laughs> you know, and it, the, the funny thing about it is nobody got hurt, thank God, but it could have very well. I mean, we're sitting there with binoculars and watching this thing from our window, and I got other guys on the phone, and you hear boom. You know, and they run out the front door where, where it went off, and then they go to the back door and go off again, you know? And it, oh, God. It was like, 
you know, yelling something. forward and someone looks up like, what? We lived on a corner. <laughs> yeah. We lived on a corner and, and, you know, my wife's sister lived in the house next to us. Okay. And there were people that would walk to the corner and walk around our house because they were afraid of what was going to be flying out of it. <laughs> and, was, and was this your fraternity house? No. Okay. No, that wasn't the fraternity house. That was the, actually the original fraternity house was on the west side of Dayton until my senior year. And then they made me house mother. And then I had to locate a house on Lowe's, which was just up the street. But, um, but people would walk around our house because they never would know what was going to happen. And then... The first time that uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law came into town, oh, and the two of them were in the back seat, and we used to have a, my, a mouse problem. So we'd, we'd, get the, we'd get the mice that would run into the fireplace and throw an M80 at them, and then we'd, we'd destroy the mouse, and then we'd get it by the tail with dental floss and hang it on the porch. So there was, about, there was about six or eight mice that were hanging on the porch, and we're, they're driving by the house, and, and, and my, my sister-in-law says to... Mom, Dad, this is where Kathy's new boyfriend lives. And she goes, oh, my God, what are those things hanging on the porch? And she says, they're mice, Mom, they're mice. You can imagine what kind of sicko this kid is. <laughs> and, and, I, and I did live with about five or six other sickos. I mean, they were, you know, as bad as me. So. Um, from Dayton, you moved to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, you got you guys got married in Dayton or Cleveland? Or we Pittsburgh got married in or? Cleveland. Okay. And uh, well, I was living in Pittsburgh before she was before we got married. And I was I was uh, I was living with your your godfather, Uncle Whale. Uh, yeah, Whale. And uh, and then we got married and, and uh, bought a house. And. Uh, there wasn't too much exciting there. Wasn't Terry Bradshaw your neighbor? Terry. That's a good story. Let's talk oh, yeah. about Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> and and one of the hockey players, one of the Penguins you were buddies with, too. Bob, Bob Battleship Kelly lived upstairs from me. <laughs> and Moon Mullins and Steve Revis lived next door to me. And uh, But I met Bradshaw going to meet, he was going to see Moon Mullins and Revis. But the story that was interesting about those two guys was that Revis was the first guy that got caught with steroids. In the NFL, and uh, what year was that? Seventy four. Oh, that was like 74, 75. Yeah, when they were in their glory days, when they had the run, when they won four out of six years. Steel Curtain and the yeah, Joe Green, yeah, Joe Green, Bradshaw, Lindsay yeah. Franco Harris, and, and uh, I was with I was with another buddy of mine, and we were coming home, and we were living in an apartment complex, and we had we were parked far away from the from the apartment, and uh, he and I were walking towards the apartment, and I says. What's that coming at us? And he says, I don't know. I says, it looks like a refrigerator walking at us. And and sure enough, it's Moon Mullins carrying a refrigerator by himself. <laughs> and he's going to put this refrigerator in the back of his pickup truck. And I says, Jerry, can we help you out? And he says, no, I think I got it. Just drop the lid down. Just drop the hatch down. Everything will be fine. And he, he was carrying it by himself, two arms around this refrigerator. And he picks it up, puts it on the back of the refrigerator like it was a piece of candy, you know. And, and then he shuts it and he drives away, you know. And it was like, you know, no wonder the guy was, you know, you know they were juicing back then. And the guy only went about 250, 260 pounds. You know, I mean, he was you know. But anyway, I mean. But you're not a Steelers fan. No, never been a Steelers fan. You were a Bradshaw fan, though. Oh, uh, Terry was a great guy. Well, Mullins and those guys, those guys were good guys. 
I mean, they were really down-to-earth people. There was nothing wrong with them. The problem was the fans. The fans would drive you crazy. I mean, you know, and they hadn't had a winner in so long, I understand why. I mean, me being a Yankee fan, it was like every other year it was great, you know. So, I mean, it was no big deal. But the Steelers hadn't won in so long that, you know, then when they did win, it was they were obnoxious. They'd drive you crazy, you know. And They're originally AFC, right? They were no, they were actually NFL, and they were one of the Expansion ones that NFL. Yeah, they flipped over. They were one of the. They teams went NFL, that, AFL, back to NFL. They yeah, they were NFL. Yeah, and, and the switched Ro- the to just, AFL. The, the, just the Rooney family just moving around where the business was best. Exactly. When when they when the merger happened, they were one of the teams that flipped over, and it was for the balance of the you know the league, which was the right thing to do. But they were originally, they were one of the original NFL teams. So, I mean, you know, they flipped over. But the Steelers fans would drive you crazy. I mean, it wasn't that I hated the Steelers personally. I mean, the guys that I met were great guys. So the Eagles fans are better than the Steelers fans? Oh, I don't know. It's probably a little different (laughs) now. Here's here's the thing about Pittsburgh fans. They're not smart. (laughs) So, But are Philly fans smart? Uh, They're, uh, it's a different kind of thing. It's a different breed. They'd rather fight each other, but you could be in a fist fight with a Philly fan and a Philly fan, and then if a Cowboy fan shows up, the both of them would stop fighting each other and fight the Cowboy there fan. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was about loyalty. It wasn't about, back then it wasn't about the intelligence of the game or the team and everything like that, but they had, you know, Chuck Moe, another, Dayton, another Dayton guy, goes and coaches them, and he turns them around rather quickly, and all of a sudden, you know, it's... Me, Joan Green, and Brad Sean, all these guys that they drafted extremely well, you know, and Franco Harris and a bunch of other guys, and Lynn Swan, and, you know, I mean, the so team was a great team. Immaculate reception? Yeah. Is it on the ground or isn't it? Huh? Is the ball on the ground when you break No, he, he caught it. No, no way. No, he didn't. <laughs> There's no angle that shows below the laces of the ball. I think he caught That ball's on the ground. Well, hey, we, you, you can dispute that forever. We'll never see matter. the angle. It doesn't we'll matter. never see the angle. It doesn't it's matter. It's like the second shooter on the grassy knoll. I just wonder what Joe's doing. I hate to say this, but I was an Oakland fan back then, and I wanted the Raiders to win so bad I couldn't stand it. So, I mean, you know, uh, from a perspective of the, the one shot, the one angle that I saw, I think he caught it. But, you know... I, I have to admit, you know, you got to remember something back then. Come on, the Sables had like 24 cameras in there, no, and no, everything no, no, else, no. everything that, else is gone. Come no, on, you didn't have 24 cameras back then. Like you got, you guys got to remember something. It's not like today. It wasn't the biggest sport in the U.S. You know, it was probably like let, the third or fourth. Let's baseball was, was bigger. You, NBA was bigger. Was John Madden the coach of that of that Raiders yeah. team? Yes. What does he say about that? Does he say it was on the ground? I don't know. We'd have to. I'd have to look. I don't, I, I don't remember what what he said about like, that. You, you guys got to remember something. I mean, back before ESPN, okay, you were lucky to get one baseball game on a Saturday. You were lucky to get two college games on a Saturday, and you were lucky to get two NFL games on a Sunday. You were lucky to get them. <clears throat> Sounds and this like a lot wasn't of this wasn't this wasn't this wasn't that you know you got your your area game and that was about it. And you weren't watching everything live either. 
No, you were. Some, you, a lot of it was pre-recorded and then aired later, right? No. For prime time? Like, no. instead of a 1 o'clock and a 4 o'clock, you'd get a 4 o'clock, which was the replay of the 1 o'clock game. Right. No, 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 maybe no, no, seven no, no, no. I don't remember it that way. No, no. It was, it was 1 o'clock it was, was your local team, yeah. or if you're on the East Coast, it was your local team, right. or it was the garbage game. Right. You, you didn't... You, or the game of the week. Well, yeah. You didn't get two games. You didn't get two games until the NFL split. Into the merger, and you had the AFL and the NFL, and then you get an NFL game and an AFL game, or NFC and an AFL, AFC. That that was the only time that that happened. CBS was NFC. That one when ESPN came in like '77 is when it started to go ballistic. But up until then, you didn't have what we got today. I mean, it was it was absurd, and somebody cashed in on this big time. I mean, that was you know that was a big deal. Bradshaw, yeah. The story I remember is you were walking our dog. Yeah. <laughs> Seamus. Yeah. Walking he, he pulled up in a Trans Am. He had, he had, yeah, he had a hot car. The, it wasn't the Hawaiian But dog. you had already met him at this point. <clears throat> well, the first time I met him, I was out with the dog. And then the second time I met him, he was going over to, you know, I didn't have the dog out, but I was going out and he was coming in, you know, he was going to see the guys and, and all that, but. The thing about Terry Bradshaw, first of all, he had the biggest hands I've ever seen. The second thing I'd say about him is, is he was the nicest guy you ever wanted to meet. And if, if he met you once, he remembered you. That's awesome. That's and awesome. He that remembered who you were. He remembered your name. He, you know, he, and as, as down to earth as anybody. Good guy. Really good guy. I mean, he had no errors about him whatsoever. And then, you know, you mentioned Bob Kelly that played for the Penguins, who was a fighter, a big-time fighter. Bob Battleship Kelly, he was a big-time fighter. Matter of fact, I bought his golf clubs from him, and I still have them. And, um, How did they play? They were Arnold Palmers. You know, they were Arnold Palmers. I still have them. And Kelly, Kelly was another guy who was, you know, he had forearms on him about the size of Popeye. He looked at Popeye, and the guy could fight. And the guy was a great, another great guy, and him and his wife, he had three kids, and they were, they were real friendly, too. And he was going for another contract, and he got the contract, and then they traded him and all that. But Pittsburgh had Pittsburgh had some really, you know, big-time stars that you never would have thought that they were as outgoing as they were. So who's the better quarterback, Brett Favre or Terry Bradshaw? Hmm. From an ability standpoint, from an ability standpoint, I would say that Brett Favre was better, but Bradshaw played on better teams. And because he played on better teams than the receivers that he had, I mean, look how long it took Favre to get going. I mean, Bradshaw fell into this thing with, you know, Swan and Stallworth were outstanding. I mean, Lynn Swan could catch anything. I mean, no matter where he threw the ball, he could catch it. Is that before Stickham? Uh, no, that was just, <laughs> just before, or right around the same no, time. No, that was, that was during Stick'em. That was Stick'em. Because Fred Bolitnikoff from the Raiders used to have it all, his hands up his arms and everything <laughs> like that. I mean, he was like, and then they outlawed his stuff, but, you know, but, but, you know. So Terry Bradshaw or Roger Staubach? Uh, Bradshaw. Bradshaw, Bradshaw could, you know, he could, he could backpedal and be off the wrong foot. He had a rocket arm. I mean, he was... Talented guy. Everybody said he was stupid. He wasn't stupid. He, he Bradshaw? Bradshaw was not stupid. Yeah. He just went to, he's kind of country. Country guy. Yeah. But he wasn't. He's from Louisiana? No, he's from Oklahoma. Louis, 
Louisiana. He went, he went to Louisiana. 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 It's he pretty, went, I think he's from Oklahoma. Yeah, but he, he's, he wasn't, you know, he was a country guy, but I wouldn't call him a bumpkin by any stretch. You know, he was he was a good guy, really, and, and he wasn't stupid. He's good on Better Late Than yeah. Never on NBC. Oh, that show's great. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> show's awesome. Is that starting again this season? No, it just ended. <laughs> I don't. Just, I don't watch it unless he's a regular guy. Unless he tells me to, I don't. I don't watch. It's a good it. show. My favorite. I couldn't. I mean, from from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, you're there for two five years. Five years. You're in Pittsburgh for five years. Yeah. Okay. Is that where you're born? Yep. We go. You go to Dayton, right? Go back there Dayton. for five years. Yep. I don't think really anything that interesting happened in Dayton other than you blew out your Achilles. Yeah, I did. Then we go to New Jersey. Right. Outside yeah. of Philadelphia. Yeah. And this is where the story gets good. What, what part of what part of Jersey? South Jersey. Just outside of Cherry Hill. Oh, really? Outside of Cherry Hill and Voorhees. One of my favorite. His favorite Joe Van Dorn so, stories. In, in, in New Jersey, we, we live in an, a, a nice neighborhood where there's a good community. Yeah. And you meet... Now my uncle Frank. Yeah, Frank <laughs> Valentino, the doctor. And I want to say that probably happened sometime in the first year, year and a half that we were there. Well, we were fortunate. The guy that we bought the house from said, "Do you play basketball?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, we play every Monday night." So as soon as we got into the house, I started, you know, meeting at seven o'clock with these guys playing at the gym, your grade school. Yeah. And um, and I and I met. I met Frank and a bunch of these guys, and then after we'd play from seven to nine, and we usually had between two and three teams, and we, you know, if you had three teams, we sat for ten and joined back up, winner, you know, and we played for a couple hours, and then we'd go to the bar down the street called the Green Top, and we got to know everybody, and that's where the Buka started and all that oh, stuff. Oh God! And and uh, but. Uh, so how, how many weeks does it take to know everybody in Cherry Hill or the Green Top Bar? How long did it take? Yeah, like for the mayor, <laughs> two, three days, <laughs> three days, three, three, <laughs> three, three. Well, half an three hour visits. All, all these guys that that played ball together would go to the same parties and go to the same places. So I mean, after a couple of weeks, you got invited to everything. So it, went, it was pretty good, but. What what had happened after the first year was you know Frank Frank had eight seats to the Eagle games that were passed down from family you know his family two generations now and um, and so we, we Monday night we go and the season had just started and he says hey he says I got an extra ticket for the Eagle game next week do you want to go and I said well let me ask Kathy I'm sure it'll be okay I says yeah yeah I'll go and I said but what do you need me to bring and he says well. He said, there's four of, you know, he says, Jimmy brings a case of beer. And he says, I bring a two get two quarts of Manhattans. And uh, Tony brings two quarts of Bloody Marys. And Bill brings two quarts of Bloody Marys. He says, why don't you bring two quarts of Manhattans? And I says, you sure? He says, yeah. He says, no, you better bring two quarts of Bloody Marys because we'll get too screwed up if you bring two quarts of Bloody Marys. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, Frank, that's eight quarts of booze and a case of beer, and we're not going to get screwed up? I mean, five guys. Five guys? What are you thinking? And I says, well, do you want me to bring anything to eat? And he says, well, you're from Buffalo, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, you know how to make wings? I said, yeah, I'll make wings. He says, okay. What year is this? 1986-ish. Wow. 84, no, 84, 85. Jaws? We, we moved there. We moved yeah. there. 83. I went 80, to school with his daughter. 
83 to 88, we lived there. Yeah. So it would have been 84, 85. Yeah. Wow. 84. Yeah. So, so here I am Sunday morning and uh, I'm flipping pancakes for the kids and I got the, the fryer going and I make them wings and everything. And I said, so what can I do different? I wake up. He's in the kitchen. The kitchen smells like ozone because he's making wings. All right, were you and, Frank, are and you Frank's pancakes. right out of the gate, or do you have your own sauce that you like? Oh no, I do my I do the Frank's with the the red the buffalo way. I mean the real way. The real way with butter, yeah. butter, butter with Produce, Frank's as a re- and a, as and a, a re- teaspoon re- of a white vinegar. There, whoa, right, I like so, it. Yeah, so so I'm cooking wings and I'm flipping pancakes for the kids and everything. And I said, so what can I do different? So. I put a pool together, so I put all the games on on Sunday and Monday night on one side, and then I write Frank, Joe, Frank's picking me up, so it's Frank, Joe, um, Tony, who is the guy that he went to kindergarten with, he knew him that long, and then Jimmy and Jimmy, who is the mayor, and, and his cousin Bill, so... I, I, I write this down and everything, and I'm thinking, okay, this. Will be, so Frank picks me up and he says, "You got the two quarts of Bloody Marys?" I says, "Yeah." He says, "You got the wings?" Yeah. I says, "Yeah." I said, "But you got to give me five bucks." He says, "Why?" I said, "Because I got a pool here that we're going to play, and whoever wins the pool is going to play for a party next week." And the first thing he says to me is, "What makes you think you're going next week?" I said, "Well, I better go next week because I'm going to win the pool." I says, "You guys don't know shit." So, so. <laughs> So he's looking at me like I'm crazy. He says, okay, who do you want, the Eagles or the Redskins? So he takes the Eagles, you know, and go right down the line, and they're filming it. So then Tony gets in the car. Now, Tony, Tony is a t- another Italian friend, okay? He wears black one day, and Frank, Frank says to him, don't you know you're not supposed to wear black? And he says, why? I said, because you look fatter that way. I says, yeah, Tony. I says, all they need to do is put a rope in your mouth, fill you up with helium, paint good you're on the side. You look like a goddamn blimp. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point on, everybody's giving a shit about being uh, a blimp. You so know? I, I've got to know, what kind of car is this? It's a limo. <laughs> no, no, the, the, this, the first week wasn't the limo. Uncle Frank had a limo. It's like God. Parked, <laughs> parked out in front of his house all the time. Well, he had a limo. No, that's Jimmy. Wait a minute. He had a limo company. Okay. So... So, but there was always a limo at his house. That's we all I remember. Get, we would get a limo a couple times. You know, you got to eat your home games, so we get a limo a couple times. But then everybody alternate driving. Okay, so Frank was driving the first week, and he had a, like a big Lincoln, you know, so he could get five guys in the car. I love it. So, so he picks, he picks me, you know. So now I get Tony's picks, and then we pick up Jimmy. Now Jimmy, Jimmy's perfect. Jimmy would come out of the house with a suit on. And his daughter would be chasing him. No, Dad, your tie doesn't match your coat. You know, so he'd have to change his tie before we left and this and that. Because he would go to the Eagles' nest, okay, at the stadium. And then and then we'd pick up Big Bill. So I, everybody, every, I get everybody's picks. And I says, all right, everybody know want to know who everybody's got? And he says, yeah, okay, fine. I says, okay, Frank, Tony, Jimmy, and Bill, he's got the Eagles. Joe's got the got the Redskins. He's an asshole. Who invited him? We don't want him anymore. Don't bring him back next week. You know, and, and this would go on every week. And Well, this was later. I didn't know I was trying out for a seat. So then while Frank's driving, he gets in the wrong lane of the toll booth going over the bridge. And I says, okay, that's a $5 fine. You're in the wrong lane. You're in the wrong. This it took too long. So every week from that point on, there was a fine if you got in the wrong lane going over the toll booth. So everything that I was doing was setting the tone for everything, even though I didn't know if I was going the next week. All right, so naturally, I win the friggin' pool. So Monday night comes up, we're playing ball, and I got the pool sheet. 
And I says, he says, well, who won the pool? He says, does Monday night mean anything? I said, no, I beat you guys by, I said, I got two or three games. I don't even need Monday night. And I showed him the pool and he says, okay. Well, the guys had such a good time. They want to know if you want to go next week. <laughs> I says, well, let me ask Kathy and we'll see if it's okay. So the same thing happens. I mean, I'm cooking, I'm flipping pancakes and I'm making wings, you know, and I'm, I'm putting the pool together from the following week and everything. And I win the pool again. Okay, but this time, this time when we're going coming back over the bridge and we're coming back to New Jersey, I don't know if we were playing the Giants then or not. Uh, but <laughs> it, could have, it could have been. We could have been playing the Giants. <laughs> but anyway, we're coming over the bridge. It's one of the other opposing teams on there. We're going over the like the Walt Whitman or the you know, the Ben Franklin Bridge, coming back into Jersey, and we're we're going back and forth with this guy. So I decided to lift the moonroof up, and I moon the guy out of the moonroof. <laughs> <laughs> So, is this in a limo? Yeah, no, the, yeah, that could have been in a the limo then. Yeah, <laughs> and and anyway, so so I go to Monday night, you know, the game again for the second, you know, after the, it, it might have been a week in between, but anyway, he says, okay, who won the pool? I says, I won the pool again, and I showed him the pool, and he says, oh, okay. Well, the guys had such a great time; they wanted to know if you wanted the rest of the season ticket. And I said, well, I got to talk to Kathy about it. I mean, he says, and you better take the ticket because we've been looking for a guy like you forever. <laughs> <laughs> so all it took I, was wings, two two gallons or two quarts, two quarts of Manhattan, two quarts of blueberries, wings, buffalo style. And, and every week, every week it'd be like that because it was a different story. I mean, Tony got so drunk one time. He had to meet his in-laws for dinner, and he, he passed out in a plate of spaghetti. I mean, it was like every week it was a different story. You know, Frank got drunk one time. We put him against the pole in the restaurant. And Lou Reed's song, you know, do 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 you know, that song, you know. With the Dark Side. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Frank, Frank, what's going on? He says, do 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 you know. It would be like that every week. It was just a different thing every week. It was like, it was, it was bizarre. Okay. So does that make you an Eagles fan? No. Okay. No. All right. They stunk. They were 80, terrible. 86, this, this was 80, the Jaworski. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaworski. Who was the guy? It was 83 there in the Super Bowl, right? Um, they didn't play I, in the I Super Bowl. I was gone after they got in. I, NFC it, Championship. They didn't play in the... Uh, that Jaworski. Was, that was um, maybe 81 or 82, and the coach was the guy from the Chiefs. Uh, no. They used to cry. <laughs> oh, used to um, cry. yes. Yes, um... He came back for the Rams. He came back for the Rams and then... The um, Rams and then the uh, Dick for a meal. Dick for a meal. <laughs> so he probably took him to the Super Bowl in... Before we got there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 81, 81, They lost to the Raiders. Yes. They lost to the Raiders. And then, and then another guy came in. Um, I can picture the guy, and he was terrible. And then Buddy Ryan came in. And I remember one, one year... They, they were so bad with Buddy Ryan, and, you know, Buddy Ryan was preaching about how great a defensive coordinator he was and this, that, and the other thing, and he was going to instill the defense that he had at the Bears, and, which was after 85, so it was 86 or 87. And and I booned Buddy Ryan at the stadium, and I told the guy in front of me, don't turn around. He says, I don't, you don't want to see a brown eye hit you right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I won the Emmy for that one, too. Were you there... When Santa Claus got pelted with snowballs. Oh, that happened every year. That's <laughs> that goes back like Franklin. That Dino happened every year. Videos all that. But the, he but might the, have been the person pelting Santa Claus. But the best, the best <laughs> stories were always when the Giants were playing. I mean, Eagles the Giants. Gi- oh God, 
there would be 30, 40 fights in the stands going on. Nobody's watching the game. And the security guys in the yellow jackets are running all over the place. So did the giant fans come down for the oh, yeah. Eagles, oh, Eagles it like, game? It's a and train you know, right away. There was, there was a jail in, in the vet. <laughs> yeah. There was and a, a judge. I've heard and a John Duty during the game. I've heard the story. That's <laughs> absolutely true. And, and these guys would get thrown in the can. And you know what? If you were a giant fan, you didn't have a chance. You were going, you were going right to jail. All they had to know was like real jail or where you're going, closed jail. No, this was a real jail, and the judge, and then they, you know they'd find him and all this other stuff. I mean, it was the craziest thing. And then then they tried to stop the tailgating going on. So then we had to go at the, to, at the vet. Yeah, at the vet. Yeah, and then we had to go to another location, and we did all this other crazy stuff. You know, every week was a different. You know, what do you want? What do you want this week? And you know this and that. But the other one that was great, a great story was. I had this great big Tupperware bowl. Okay, oh. I was, that was where I was going next. Okay, because I, I this this story has to be told. Yeah. This is a legend story. This this, this, this might be. Right. Well, this is, well, so Buddy Ryan's fight on the sidelines back when he was when he was there, or yeah, Don, yeah. or Don Zimmer and Pedro Martinez. What's the better fight? Oh. Well, the, oh. the Don Zimmer Pedro Martinez wasn't a fight. No, it wasn't. It was Pedro <laughs> taking a cheap shot and throwing Don Zimmer on the Don ground. Don Zimmer rushed him. I mean, he's yeah. just defending. He himself. grabbed an old man and threw him to the ground like he was dirty laundry. <laughs> he was defending himself. Yeah, but that wasn't good. But anyway. <laughs> and, and, you know, Who wasn't be, that Buddy Ryan got in a fight with? Wasn't that with the Oilers? It was the Oilers. He got in a fist fight with the offensive coordinator or the head coach. Yeah. No, was, I can tell you, I, can, I know I can picture the Phillips, guy now. It was Bum Phillips. No, 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 no. Bum was the coach. Kevin, um, <laughs> God, I can think of the guy. He was the offensive coordinator. He's been around and he's not playing, he's not coaching anymore, but I can picture the guy. <laughs> but he got That was fight. hilarious. He took, <laughs> so old, man, old man took a shot at him. <laughs> yeah, he did. I can't think of a guy, but he was an offensive coordinator. He'd been around for a long time. Anyway, all right. So back to the Tupperware. Yeah, Tupperware. So I had this great big bowl of Tupperware that I used to put the wings in, and you know we'd eat the we'd eat the wings. Have you heard this? I don't think so. This is we, a great. This is one of my this is one of my so. favorite Pay stories attention. actually. Yeah. This this is why we're doing this episode. <laughs> this okay, story for right Tupperware. Here. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, you wait. haven't heard this either. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. Oh, well, I've heard it through your son. No, no, no. He's just going to grab a beer. He's just going to grab a beer. All right, so, so I, had, I had the wings in a great big Tupperware bowl. I mean, you know, with the top on it and everything. We would eat the wings out in the parking lot along with the meatballs and the cheesesteaks or whatever we were having and everything. But they make me bring the wings in if we didn't finish them. So I bring the wings in, and you know, when, when I had all the sauce, you know, you, the wings in the bottom of the. So there's like four wings left, and there's four of us sitting there. I was in the third seat. So uh, uh, Big Bill, uh, Tony was on the end, and Big Will Bill was next to me, and then me, and then Frank. And I says, hey guys, I got four wings left in this thing. So I take the top off of it. I say, I got four wings left in this thing. Why don't we just finish them off right now? So I give Frank, I, give, I pass the bowl to him, he takes one. And then Bill and Tony take one, and there's one left. So I, I take the last wing out, and it's soaking in this juice. I mean, it's soaked. So I, I got it in, one, in my right hand, and I put the bowl down between my legs, and I put the top on, and I shove it under my seat. And just as I grab it with the other hand, it was so wet 
that it flies out of my hand and hits the guy in front of me. <laughs> and this guy's got a yellow golf jacket on, oh. and it smeared the sauce right down his like his left shoulder, down his side. And all three of us, all four of us, start laughing, and we can't stop. I says, I gotta tell the guy, I gotta pay for his trifling. And Frank's going, No, no, don't tell him, don't tell him. And the other guys are saying, No, don't tell him, don't tell him. And the tears are, everybody's laughing so hard, the tears are rolling down our faces. I, says, I gotta tell the guy, we're gonna see him next week. He's God, uh, don't tell him he'll never know. <laughs> yeah, so, so the wing's sitting there. It hit him in the in the back. You know, he didn't feel it. There. I mean, the evidence was right there. He didn't feel it. No, he didn't feel it. <laughs> he didn't turn around. No, he didn't turn around. Nobody, you know, the only guy that knew two was us. Bloody Marys, two quarts of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Recipe for disaster. <laughs> And they're saying, no, I, here I am. I want to give five bucks. Go get it cleaned. You know? No, no, don't tell them. Don't tell them anything. So, so we don't tell them. Okay, and this thing sits on. So the next week we go to the game, and the guy's got the yellow. He doesn't have the yellow jacket on. <laughs> okay. And we get there. Here I am. I'm pulling the wings out again. He said, he turns around and says, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what? He says, you hit me with the wing, didn't you? <laughs> I, said, I, mean, it was, I said, it was an exploding chicken wing. <laughs> I mean, who wears a yellow jacket to an Eagles game anyways? No, I mean, it was like a yellow, like a light spring <laughs> Like a member's only jacket. <laughs> yeah. So I gave him five Yellow months. jacket, green jacket. I did give him. Did, did you eat some of your polish? You know, it was, it was like we, these same guys were there forever in a day, so everybody knew everybody, you know? But, you know, oh, don't tell him, don't tell him, you know? <laughs> what? What? Tell him. Uh, tell the story about going to, going to the restaurant to get the pasta. Oh. The nine ninety five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, so, this is in Philly. Frank, Frank and Jimmy were friends for a long, long time, but they would argue about anything. Hey, sky's blue. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I mean, it could be anything. Flies going off the wall. That's not a flight. It's a mosquito. You know? I mean, it could be anything. And these guys, we're, we're, we're leaving the game, and they're arguing, and they're going on and on and on, and the traffic's everything. This had to go on for a half an hour. So we get to the restaurant, and they're still arguing. We get a couple of drinks. We're sitting down to get something to eat, and they're still arguing. They're going back and forth, and it's going on and on. Now, they're across the table, and I'm sitting next to Frank, and it's across the table, and they're going, and the waitress is taking orders. So I give her my order and everything, and Frank, you know, and, I, and she's waiting patiently, and they're still arguing across the table, and he says, I'll, t- I'll have the spaghetti and calamari. And Jimmy says, he doesn't want that. Don't put that down. <laughs> and he says, he says, he says, how do you know what I want? He says, but you don't want that. You don't want that. I'm telling you right now, you don't want that. He says, I want that. Put that down. And he says, no, don't put that down. He doesn't want that. I'm telling you right now. And then, now they're arguing over this. this is going, and the waitress is there. This goes on for a good five minutes. He says, I want the spaghetti and calamari. So she goes in the next guy. They're still arguing about the first thing they were arguing about, and they're going back and forth. Not a food comes. And Frank was notorious for, for putting cheese and then the hot pepper, you know, the hot pepper on, you know, on, a, on a spaghetti. Parmesan cheese and then the pepper flakes. Yeah, yeah, the red pepper, okay. And he takes the cheese, and he only does it for a second. I don't know if you realize that he changed and he put the hot pepper down. <laughs> oh, God. And he's going, they're arguing, and he's, I'm watching this thing. And he's shaking. 
<laughs> He's shaking the red pepper on his spaghetti, and it's going on, and they're still arguing across the table, and he keeps on going, you know, and I'm watching this thing. I'm not going to say anything to hell with it. It's too late now. You know, so he's shaking and he puts the red pepper down and he takes his spoon and he starts twirling his spaghetti. They're still arguing now. Okay, and he puts the first bite in his mouth and then he finishes that and he starts, they start going back and forth again. Now he's working on the second one and he puts it in his mouth. He's, holy shit! And, and, and Jimmy looks across the table, I told you you wouldn't like that. And he says, and he says how did you know I wouldn't like that? He says, because you never liked anything for nine ninety five. <laughs> and that, that was, that would be how the whole game would be, it would be like that from the start we picked everybody up until the time we went home. They knew each other since kindergarten. No, that, that was, was Tony. That was Tony. But they knew each other for a long time. They did some business dealings together and everything like that. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> so they were bickering like an old couple. like oh, oh, the odd couple. Worse than that. I mean, like I said, if, if one of them said the sky was blue, the other one would say, no, it's not. Wow. I mean, it, it would just be. And, it's and, like me and Barbara. <laughs> well, when they when they would go someplace, here's the other great thing. When they we'd go someplace, if if we're there, Jimmy would always go, "Hey, Frank, there's so and so over there. Remember from so and so we met him over here and this and that." No, I don't remember. You know, it would be the opposite. No, I don't remember. No, remember it was this guy that we met him at this bar. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yes, we did. You know, and it would be going. Back. It was like that every time you were with him. That is episode 33A, or part one. Um, we'll have another, we'll have the second half of this interview posted later in the week, just because it's so long. And the times we tend to post long uh, episodes, people either don't download them or don't listen to them because they're too big. So we uh, purposely did this in two parts. Um, I want to thank uh, Maggie and, and Andrew, who helped out and, and, and helped kick in on some of the content for this. Of course, my father for for just doing a tremendous job or just being himself. Um, this is how he is almost all the time. Um, you get him in front of you, put a microphone in front of him, and you just you know it's going to get amped up a little bit. So it was this this half of the episode was fantastic. Part two will will air um, later in the week, maybe around Friday. Get that up for everybody. Um, thanks for listening to the Barman Bevo podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Um, it's a Barman and Bevo podcast. You can, if you don't have an Apple uh, device, you can get it on uh, the app Podbean. Um, it's in your app store or it's on Google Play as well. You can download the or subscribe to the episodes there. Uh, this is episode 33A. So that means we've done 32 other episodes plus seven Tour de France episodes. So um, this is our 40th episode. Um, and we've done that all in, in one year. Um, you can find us on all of the social medias, um, Facebook, Barman and Bevo Podcast, Michael Barman, Michael Vandura, uh, Twitter, uh, at Barman and Bevo Pod. I think it's Barman, the letter N, Bevo Pod. Um, I'm at Bevo8771. Barman's at underscore Coach Barman. Um, tweet us. Send us messages on Facebook. Tell us you hate us. Tell us you like us. We don't care. Tell us it's something you want to – if you want more Joe Vandura, we'll do more Joe Vandura. We can get them on uh, FaceTime and, and FaceTime them in for an episode. So um, I think we may do another episode with him at some point. Um, or if 
there's like a family vacation and I can get some other stories out of him, we'll do that. Um, but thanks for listening. We'll get the other half of this up later in the week. And, um, you know, tell your friends about us. Um, we love doing this and we love the feedback we get. I know a lot of times, um, you know, Scott Patton always sends some, some feedback on the show or gives us stat corrections, whatever it may be. Um, again, we'll be back. You'll have maybe a regular podcast from Mike and I, a short one, maybe like a 30 minute one, but we'll also do a, um, this part two will, will be up later this week. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll see you real soon. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve, yeah, flattening the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. Ah. Uh-huh.